0: and what is up podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world you are listening to the soundcast the official podcast of tracksounds.com i am christopher coleman your host and today on the line we have, representing the four corners of the world, Tom Hoover in the corner of New Jersey. How are you doing, Tom? Hi, Chris, and hello everyone
1: on the panel. It's good to be back, as always.
0: Happy New Year to you. And Helen, the Honorable Helen San in South America. Happy New Year, Helen. How are you?
2: I'm fine, thank you. Happy
0: New Year to everybody. Thank you. And Marius Masilar in the corner of New Canada. Happy New Year, Marius. How are you? Happy New Year, guys. I'm doing great. Good. And back on the soundcast from the corner of the United Kingdom, Richard Buxton, Happy New Year. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Happy New Year. Great. It it, it is New Year there too, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. (laughs) Okay, just checking. (laughs) Well, it's been several weeks because of the holidays since we've been able to get together and talk soundtracks. For those of you who may be listening for the first time, the Soundcast uh, is dedicated to the topic or genre of film, TV, and video game music. And also to uh, about the people who make that music. And so that's all we're about on this podcast. So if you love soundtracks, film scores, that sort of thing, then this is the podcast for you. We're going to jump right into what i like or one of my favorite parts of the show which is what have you been listening to richard what have you been listening to recently um a lot of
3: mission impossible which i guess we'll talk about more later um otherwise (laughs) i listened to the first time uh little women by thomas newman the other day Good um i wish somebody had told me about that before because it's pretty great uh (laughs) i think um, think? In terms of... No, 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 sorry. Uh, no, it is. It's definitely great. Um, but I think in terms of music, that main theme might be about as good as it gets for me.
0: Good call. I, yeah. Hey, I'm going to post my Thomas Newman thing eventually. And had I been quicker, it would have introduced you to that score. But, yeah. <laughs> but you came across it anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's what great. else? Uh, memories of Murder. Have you heard of that? Memories of what? M- murder. Murder or Murder. Moda? Murder. That's Murder. Just oh. yeah, Murder. Yeah, I yeah.
3: <laughs> no, I don't know that one. Uh, that's a South Korean uh, movie. Uh, I guess you can tell by the title. It's a crime uh, thriller Yeah, uh, by Taro Iwashiro and the music. Uh, but the film is definitely worth checking out if you like that kind of movie. It's a bit different to mm-hmm. the typical um, um, the mystery that you get from South Korea which is basically about revenge but this one's more about the actual investigation and the music is it's kind of a mixed bag uh, lots of different styles in
4: there and a few songs as well but it's worth checking out
0: Marius yeah. what have you been listening to?
4: I picked up the uh, Humble Indie Bundle number four I don't know if you guys are familiar with that it's, it's that cool charity thing where a bunch of um, indie video games are, are um, offered together in a package for kind of like Pay hey, what you want deal. Uh-huh. Um and for the last two, they've also been giving out the soundtracks to the games. So I've got a pod full of um indie game music for the past couple of weeks, which has been interesting. Um and uh I also decided I wanted a bit of a blast from the past and was listening to the Baldur's Gate 2 soundtrack. Oh, nice. Yeah. Who's that? I pie? still think we're It's um, Michael Honig, I think.
0: Michael Honig, that's going back a ways.
4: Yeah, he hasn't really done very much else that I'm aware of, certainly not recently. Hmm. Um, But, you know, very, very good score, and it's actually still better than a lot of the fantasy scores we're getting for games today. So that's Hmm. sad. What made you go back to that? I, um, I was reading up a, an article about Diablo 3, and I was thinking, oh, what games I used to play when Diablo 2 and Diablo 1 were out, and uh, Baldur's Gate was was there, and I realized I hadn't listened to that score in a while, so hmm. dug it up. Is it a, was it a, a CD release? Uh, eventually, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think it came with the special edition re-release of the game or something like that. It wasn't initially available. Okay. Ah, oh, very cool but it's nice and live orchestra and everything so what was this in like the early 2000s i uh, must have been i don't actually remember the precise year that the game came out but it it must have been around there that was that was the general time frame hmm. i would have to look it up yeah okay sounds good what else um that's pretty much it i i've been uh, either away or doing work so i didn't have as much listening time over the holidays as I might have liked to. Right. And
0: uh one more semester of school or are you done? I always ask that every year, I think.
4: Yeah. Well, this time I can tell you I'm technically I have one semester left, but no actual classes in it. It's just dedicated to a couple of big projects. Okay. So my my sort of course oriented school career is over.
0: Oh nice.
4: Congrats. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a very good feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're in the midst of your, or you, or you, are you in the midst of that project now, or are you just
4: starting it? No, I'm in the midst of it. It's uh, one of them is due in February, actually, and the other one is due in uh, April. So I'm, I'm just in the middle of the first one right now and uh, just scrambling to get everything done. Gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Very good.
0: Um, Helen, what have you been listening to?
2: Um I took advantage of uh, the Amazon MP3 sale and got Battle LA Mm -hmm. uh, by Tyler and, um, let's see, Giacchino Star Trek and Shores Hugo.
0: Oh, nice. Now, did you feel that those, when you. Did you hear them before you bought them or are you just like or, or just hear the clips I heard them then... in the
2: movie. I heard okay. them, I heard them in the movie. I I they've been on my wish list for a long time. But you know, I have like 2000 things on my wish list, so eventually I got to them. Okay. Um, so they're really good. Good good stuff. I was a little disappointed in Hugo cuz you know everybody talked it up and it wasn't really my bag.
0: Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the film yet. I'm I'm really anxious to see it. Um but yeah, I think without seeing the film, um, I think the score suffers a little bit. I think once once you're able to see it, I think it'll. It. I think for myself, it's going to change my opinion a little bit.
2: There was a little bit too much uh, French accordion in there for me. You know? Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, it does have that. You know, you have and those sometimes in French movies. And I've
2: been working on the review for tr- uh, track sounds for a compilation of the Twilight music. Yeah. So I've been listening to all four Twilight scores plus the compilation. Oh, so you're losing. Bl- <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I've been listening to a lot of music.
0: So you're you're just you're just overflowing with Twilightness now.
2: Yes, that's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm I looking can to hum f- it in my I'm, sleep. I'm looking for. Is there something you can actually hum from that? And I'm not sure that <laughs> there is. Um, uh, well, I'm looking forward to your review on on that compilation and. Now tell me, just give us a hint if you're liking their treatment of it, because it was for a little chamber orchestra, if my memory serves me, instead of the full blown orchestra.
2: Right, right. Um, definitely, the originals are better. Okay. I, I really wanted to give a, a, a really high review because I do like the Twilight music. There's, you know, good points about it, but you know, if you're a real soundtrack fan, then stick with the originals.
0: Okay. All right. Well, we'll get all the details in your full review right. then. Um, okay, Tom, what have you been listening to lately?
1: Well, I've been gliding through a lot of the uh, year-end promos. Nothing's really s- sticking uh, for me. But uh, one title that did stand out a little bit was uh, the Halo Anniversary uh, double disc. Mm-hmm. And uh, some interesting adaptions on there. Uh, this one of the two disc set is, is the better of the two. Um definitely some low points related to the performances. Not a lot of zip with the
0: yeah.
1: uh with the players. But a couple of standout tracks uh did, did hit the spot for me, so that's what I'm clinging to and you know, overall just waiting through the uh disappointing releases that have come of late and hopefully <laughs> that uh once we get rolling in this new year things will pick up.
0: Yeah. Now i've never been a big fan of halo the music i mean it's okay i guess because i've never been a big fan of the games i was just never caught up in that although i played them a little bit i was just like yeah i've played a thousand other first person shooters that are as good or better than this anyone else have that experience with halo liking or not liking the music where do you come out on it
1: yeah i think it's overrated a little bit it feels like enigma that uh the gregorian group uh from the 90s <laughs> a lot of it uh but yeah, overall, I think with the um, the abundance of material that's out there related to any kind of the people talking about, I think
0: it's it's overrated. What were you gonna say, Richard?
3: Um, I'd say it's my favorite uh, video game series of music.
0: Really? Yeah, I is love that... it. I listen,
3: listen to it all the time.
0: Yeah. And now is now. Do you have a, a strong affinity for the games too? I uh, I like the games, but I
3: do think they're overrated. Hmm. It's just oh. I, I like the universe at least the story, but I think the gameplay could be a lot better it's so what is
0: what is it about the music that you like so much
3: i like how the, all the themes they throughout the games they continue them through each one the variations so i like to be able to pick out like oh i know that one from this point in halo one and now it's in this point in halo two and i just generally think the the theme's pretty good and there's a lot of them as well
0: okay just yeah I, I i haven't found anyone who's just like Like you just said, the games are just kind of meh, but really likes the music. Everyone I know who really likes the music really, really likes the games. And so I always felt that that opinion of theirs was being tainted by their love for the games. But you kind of throw
4: a little monkey wrench in that. Where do you come out on that, Marius? I think both are lame, frankly. (laughs) Um (laughs) and i I say that I say that after having been subjected to many hours of uh, both the game and the score um because a lot of my friends were very caught up in the whole halo craze, especially when Halo Two came out, and it was like you know this second coming kind of thing but um i I never i don't know for for me i'm I'm kind of with you, Chris. The games just never gripped me, I didn't understand what they were doing that every other shooter that I'd played didn't do better. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it was like, okay, I'm, it, it was all right. It was serviceable, but I i wasn't blown away. Mind you, that's maybe because I'm not huge on the multiplayer gaming in general. Yeah. Uh, shooters are basically the only thing that I play multiplayer on, but even that way, I still, I prefer multiplayer in other games. I just, that's not anyway, but the score yeah. for me, I've found, um, it's, there are some standout cues. A lot of it, I just don't listen to it. Just, it, it's boring to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember being frustrated when the Halo 2 score came out, and that that theme of theirs came out, that, that choral thing that Tom was talking about. And it's very, very similar to the theme for Mist 4, mm-hmm. which I think I've complained about before, because it bothered me. Because um, yeah. it it's really it's very close to the Myst 4 theme, and the Mist 4 theme is much better composed, but all the credit's gone to Halo for it, so... Uh that's how now, it works out. Now, Marty O'Donnell didn't do Mist, did he? The music? No, no. Jack Wall was,
0: uh, oh, Jack was Wall. the man behind
4: okay. that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. He he did all the Mist series except I think the fifth one, which was Tim Larkin and just a couple of other guys, if I remember correctly. Got it. Got it. Anything else, Tom?
1: No, just uh, a couple of the uh, Silva compilations. Their yearbook released for 2011. Uh, middle of the road, as far as I'm concerned. And then they also released a video game compilation of their own, a, a recording, uh, which, again, it did, didn't really light up my world. So, yeah. Um, again, okay. just turn
0: over a new leaf, hoping to move forward at this point. <laughs> new Sounds year. like I'm
1: ending a relationship.
0: <laughs> new year, new hope, I guess. Um, well, I've been listening to surprisingly uh tron legacy a lot i know it's exactly or just over a year old and i find that score to have a lot of stick-to-itiveness uh i don't tire of it uh, and i come back to it quite often and uh i've been listening to it quite frequently recently and i'm not sure why i do see that as an indictment on uh the year of 2011 and all of the music that's been released um that i would return to that and listen to that over and over again um Tintin. I've been playing quite a bit more since I, I started seeing, well, since I saw the film, and uh, I've grown to appreciate that a lot more uh, after seeing the film. Um, it, it it works really well within the context of the film, and I've I enjoy it. At, at first, I liked Warhorse more, and then I saw both films, and I I think I flip flopped on that a little bit. Um, so Tintin's been getting a good amount of plays, and then uh, the Darkest Hour aptly titled by Tyler Bates. That is a Uh, bad (laughs) score. (laughs) Terrible. Well, guess which title I was just about to ask you to review (laughs) in in all seriousness. I mean, I like when those come because they're so easy to review. I mean, it's just like, pull out both shotguns and just go crazy. It's just like, pow! So so I was going to give you first crack at at just laying into it, because it is... Wow! I mean, it's very... It's typical Tyler Bates in a lot of ways. Uh, s- super duper electronic overdose. You know, ambient electronics. Kind of a grungy electronic stuff. Just electronic dissonance coming out of every pore. Um, very sound designy, Just like... It's not m- music, really. It's more music than some other scores that have been released <laughs> in December. But not by much. Uh, not by much. It was... It was a fairly painful listen, but I have been listening to it more than once just to give it a fair shake, and I've shaken it enough, if that's a word, Shic- sh- I've shook it enough, I shaked it enough, <laughs> whatever the word is. Um, shaken that stirred. Shaken and stirred, I was <laughs> um, So those are the ones I've been listening to most recently. Of course, the end of the year, there's so much going on, so many movies coming out, So many scores to accompany them. I've been listening to a lot, but those are the ones I've been listening to the most. So that's what we've been listening to. We would love to hear uh, what you all have been listening to. And uh, so tonight I have something to announce in that we've got some new ways for you to communicate with us and let us know what you've been listening to. One, we have a specific email address for you to email now because the scoreman at tracksounds.com gets too much email, so much spam. I can't get through it all anymore. Uh, so you can now email us at soundcast at tracksounds.com and for any reason, but also to let us know what you have been listening to. We'd like to know. Uh, also we've created a new phone number for you to call to leave voicemail messages. And we would love to hear from you. If you don't want to take the time to email, you can just call and you can just leave us a voicemail. And that number is 407-512-0614. 407-512-0614. Call us, leave a voicemail and say, Hey, Guys, you don't know what you're doing. You're missing out on this great music. This is what I'm listening to, and this is what you should be listening to. So give us a call and let us know uh, what you've got spinning of late. So that's going to do it for that segment. Let's quickly move into our sidetrack segment. We've got two things we want to talk about uh, this evening before we move on to our main topic, which I forgot to introduce earlier on. Our main topic is going to be Mission Impossible 4. And all the Mission Impossible films in their scores, basically. But with emphasis on the most recent Mission Impossible. And just so everyone knows, um, we're going to lose Marius when we come to that part. But he's going to be with us through our sidetrack segment. So let's jump right into that. Our first sidetrack is the Hobbit trailer, which came out... I forget which day exactly it came out um, in December. uh, But I was one happy puppy when that baby came out. And within that trailer towards the... I don't know if it's... I guess about the middle of it. Um, we get this kind of dwarvian dirge or whatever that is, and it turns into a very nice piece uh, by Howard Shore. So I just wanted to get you guys' reaction to the trailer and to the music that you heard in it. Tom, um, what'd you think?
1: I liked it. Uh, very much consistent to the 12, 15 plus hours of the original trilogy. Um, so... It, is that a I wasn't dig? necessarily, yeah, but uh, I, I, I like to feel a, a, little, a little sense of something different when I'm going into a sequel or a prequel.
0: Whether so I got that
1: or not, it's yet to be determined it's just one trailer, but that hymn, that, that little song was fantastic. Um, I, I really loved that. That was my, actually, the score piece was my favorite part of the trailer. And it makes you wonder, you know, outside of Lord of the Rings, will Howard Shore be known for anything else? Uh, you know, after these uh, mammoth masterworks, he's he's delivered. Who cares? But, <laughs> I don't care. Kidding. But it's <laughs> it's an interesting point because he, he he dabbles with greatness into this trilogy, and you like to see him kind of yeah. do the Williams thing. That's all, you know.
0: So, are you saying you because the prequel scores for Star Wars were, in my opinion, very different from the original? Are you saying you liked that fact?
1: Well, the Star Wars is different. Uh, to me than where Lord of the Rings is placed I'm just saying I would like him to do the Williams thing where he goes on to other projects and delivers great scores outside of you know the Star Wars canon
0: no no you said you liked something different in the prequels or sequels and so that's what I was referring to because the sequel scores prequel scores are I I feel they're very they're considerably different from the original trilogy scores so that's what (laughs) I'm saying I think so I I don't I mean, obviously the same thematically and whatnot, but his style is is very much... It's his more modern, evolved style in the prequels. Yeah, it's more mature, but
4: I don't think it's significantly different. I mean, it's still... I do. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Well, I mean, Main
1: theme-wise, theme probably. I mean, but, but overall, you're still placed in that universe. Um, yeah. And the cool thing about it is Duel of the Fates, Battle of the Heroes, You know, that could stand up, as far as I'm concerned, with something like the Imperial March. So he gave you Ooh. a little something different there, too. Um,
0: Ooh. Really, you put Duel of the Fates on par with the Imperial March?
1: No, it it's close. I mean, I I, mm-hmm. uh, I wore I wore that track out, and I still go back to it, and I don't tire of it. So, okay, a personal taste, I do.
0: Sure, okay. I just, uh, just interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize you put it on that on that level. At least to me, that's a pretty super high level. So, okay, that's. I was just trying to clarify when you said you like there to be something a little different in a sequel or a prequel. Um, and so I was using that as a, as kind of a benchmark to see if that's what you were referring to by, if, if you consider there a diff being a difference between the prequel music and the original tr- trilogy music. Okay.
4: Um, Mary, so what do you think? Um, well, I love the trailer. I, um, I was actually confused because after I watched it, I went and, um, looked around to see what other people were thinking of it, and I saw a lot of um, comments that were quite negative about that whole dwarf bit there. Yeah. Um, And I I thought that was a little unexpected, at least for me. I mean, I thought it all came together very nicely. Um, Musically, I was excited, which I haven't been... um, I've tried not to look forward too anxiously to the score because I figure I don't want to hype it up and be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, But based on what i've heard it sounds like uh it sounds like we're not going to be taking a step backwards with this score i think at the very least it'll be uh of the same caliber as uh the trilogy yeah um, and yeah. i mean for for me it'll be very interesting to see what he does in terms of um i guess musically working backwards from the uh yeah from the themes and from all of that because he's got to build up to them even though they're coming you know way after Right in terms of when he's writing them, so that will be that will be something that's that's uh, going to be interesting to see. Yeah, agreed, agreed.
0: Helen, did you see
4: the trailer?
2: No, I don't go to the theater here. In no, Port. no,
0: it's it's just online. It is. Oh, I should have just sent you the link. I, I just presumed everyone had seen it, so I didn't bother to. I see. Uh, um, I, well, I
2: assumed that it was only in the theater, so.
0: No, it debuted – well, I think – I don't know what it debuted with in the theater, but I saw it online, whatever, midnight or whatever thing came out. Um, so after the show, because I don't want to jeopardize the bandwidth that we're dealing with. That's right. Uh, just just I, YouTube I it, it, and there's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, Richard, what about you?
3: Uh, yeah, um, the music uh, – there's not much to go on, I guess, but I think you can tell. Like Marius said, it's not going to be a step back from what we've heard in uh, the previous uh, three films. But in terms of the movie, if I didn't know how great Peter Jackson is and how great the uh, Lord of the Rings films were, I don't think I'd really be looking forward to this one. Serious? I I didn't think the trailer was all that, if I'm honest. Uh, Hmm. I I like the ending with Gollum. That was great. But um, the thing with all the hobbits and gandalf announcing them it, i thought it was is this a comedy or is it the hobbit i don't know what it is but I, i'm sure it'd be great because it's peter jackson and it's lord of the rings
0: uh, universe yeah but i Let mean you see.
3: also um just before that uh, it was a dark knight rises trailer and just after that the prometheus trailer two uh other really big films that are coming out in that year and i thought those trailers were uh, a step above this one so maybe that's just uh, it's their fault did you see main... them
0: all together? Those three at the same time?
3: Uh, in a short, short space of time. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... not in the same sitting. Okay.
0: No. Okay. So well, maybe that
3: reduced that, my opinion.
0: That probably, maybe, maybe. Um, I, yeah. I, That's I, a good I point,
4: hope... really. I mean, in term, if if you compare to those other two, I think the trailer, just from an editing perspective, is weaker. But to be mm. fair, I think they don't have as much footage to work from exactly. as as uh, the other two do. Exactly. So there's also yep. that.
0: Yeah, that's that was gonna be my point. Was you know they're a year out, so you know they've got a they've got quite a bit to to do yet. So um, for what they had to work with, you know, I I thought it was pretty good. And The Hobbit definitely has a different tone than the Lord of the Rings film. I mean, in terms of the books, so I would expect him to to be consistent with that to some degree. I think he's got to, you know, make it a little more serious and a little less lighthearted than at least at the beginning of The Hobbit. Um, but that's how it is. It's pretty lighthearted you know, uh, towards the beginning. And so, you know, I guess I wasn't offended by that cause I was expecting it. Um, okay. Any other thoughts on the Hobbit trailer or the score? All right. Then we'll move on to our second side track, which was pretty big news uh, as of yesterday. And that was the kind of announcement as I've gone back and read, uh, MI6, uh, HQ's, uh, report on this it's a little bit more sketchy than than I first interpreted it as but anyway um, uh, mi6 Hq the site kind of broke the news that uh, composer Thomas Newman was going to be the composer on the next James Bond film uh, entitled Skyfall which is being directed by Sam mendes and uh, they cited basically hey this is who Sam Mendes always works with and David Arnold is going to be tied up in 2012 doing all the music or supervising music for the London Olympics and yada, yada, yada. So it wasn't actually like an official announcement, but it was was a pretty strong, this is who's doing it. But it wasn't, there was some room in their wording for, for some doubt. Nonetheless... Everyone's jumped on the bandwagon of reporting it, and people have been reacting to it, so I want to take a few minutes and just bounce that around a bit to get uh, your guys' gut reactions. I know mine was pretty much shock, not that—because it was James Bond, and I just can't—at I, 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 I at first it was, I can't hear Thomas Newman doing a James Bond film, period, and then it became— what is he gonna do? If he's doing it, what is he gonna do? And that made me kind of anxious to hear what he's gonna do. What did you guys think, Marius? What did you think about that announcement?
4: Um, I, I think I probably had the least amount of shock from what I can see in the community. Um I adore Thomas Newman and I have the utmost respect for his uh talent and his flexibility. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't expect him to be able to do animation and, you know, there goes Wally and um, finding Nemo, and so I it, I've learned to just accept that he can do whatever he wants, basically. So mm-hmm. for me, it's more just excitement, honestly, mm-hmm. to see how you know what what the Thomas Newman interpretation of a James Bond score uh, will be like. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I I earnestly hope that it is true and that he is actually. On there, um, and I hope that he does a good job so that he can prove all the naysayers wrong. And which is, you know, I do enjoy um, David Arnold's work um, on the uh, on the previous one, and all. I I have no issues with uh, with that stuff. Yeah. So it's not like I'm happy he's being replaced or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Thomas Newman. What what could go wrong? Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I, I
0: agree with you, and I love his stuff, too. But there's just nothing I can go back to in his in his portfolio that says, oh, yeah, he could go a little bit like this or a little exactly. bit like that. Exactly. That's what's there's exciting, nothing. though. There's nothing. It that's, is. That's what's exciting but, about it. But that's what's kind of – I mean, you can see why people would, might be freaked a little bit because it's like, oh, he's never – I've never heard him do anything like this. And so I can see why people might be taken aback by that and maybe not real happy with it because he has no track record of doing that type of score
1: oh yeah no it's definitely you know what I it to concern. it's like uh I'm, I'm sorry it's like Howard Shore when he got signed on to do True. Lord of the Rings it's That's almost good point. the same circumstance
0: very good point very because I but that was my reaction then too though I was more uh angry about it because I didn't think Howard Shore was going to be able to pull it off um yeah Richard what do you think uh yeah I'm a big fan of his as
3: well uh I listened to his score for The, the Debt uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, good point. It, just, it kind of reminds me of uh, John Powell's music for the Bourne films, so maybe that's a slight indication yeah. of what it might sound like a little. That's but a good call. I've never been a huge fan of uh, the Bond scores outside of the film. I think they work pretty well in the movie, but it's ne- yeah. I've never bought a Bond score, uh, soundtrack on CD before. So, it's not something I'm hugely disappointed about. And because I like Tom, Tom Newman, uh, I'm pretty happy about the decision, okay. I'd say. Yeah. What
0: about you, Helen?
2: I'm probably going to get uh, rotten vegetables thrown at me again. <laughs> never.
0: <laughs> you, you say what you feel. That's you, the ones who get people to email me. So go ahead, say it.
2: <laughs> I am not a big fan of Thomas Newman. I mean, I oh love God. Red Corner, but uh, <laughs> the rest of his stuff just never clicked. With wow. me very much. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm wondering what he's going to do with Bond. I read your Storify thing, which I thought was brilliant, um, you know, collecting all the Twitter yeah. feeds about this topic into one page. And I related to one comment I saw in there that Thomas Newman is going to make James Bond cry <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then that's, that's my, that was my reaction <laughs> he's gonna make him cry like a baby
0: <laughs> there's nothing wrong with a softer gentler more melancholy James Bond is there <laughs> that's that's I think where we're going with this Yeah, we,
2: we need some depth right <laughs> well, now, we'll especially to... if Sam Mendez directing it I, I would imagine they'd bring out the softer side of the James
0: <laughs> must, <laughs> it must be well we'll have to deal with your lack of appreciation for Thomas Newman on another episode because that <laughs> might take a full episode to work through the psychological underpinnings as to why you don't connect to his music have you heard road to perdition let me just ask you that
2: yes yes I you mean he, he does good work he's he's you know I I, I can't fault his technical expertise but right emotionally it doesn't connect but you know i like Carter burr so
0: yeah we, yeah we know you, I'm, I'm a
2: little off anyway <laughs>
0: but that's why we like having you on the soundcast ellen because you reflect some percentage of some group out there that's right <laughs> i don't know what who that group Someone is but i know care. they're out there <laughs> tom did you have any other thoughts about about this announcement
1: no, just mostly. I'm curious. Um, I, I I do side with Helen uh, in that uh, Newman is a little too delicate for me. Always a little too much finesse with his work, and be curious to see how he uh, changes that style up uh, for, for the Bond franchise.
0: Yeah, it it will be very curious. So I mean, I'm I'm really I, of of all the movies that are coming out, I'm thinking more about that movie and that score than anything. It's just like, what is he going to do? I just can't wait to hear it. I mean, whether it be good or not, or whether I like it or not, it doesn't even matter. I just want to hear what he does. Um, so, we f- I don't know when Skyfall. I meant to look that up before we went, uh, started recording, when Skyfall comes out. I'm assuming it's a s- summer flick or something, early summer. I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. still when when that's coming out. But um, sometime in 2012, we will find out exactly what Mr. Newman has done for James Bond. And we will talk about it on the Soundcast. So then I think that's going to wrap up our sidetracks, uh, segment for the night. And we will bid our friend Marius Masalar, a fond farewell. Of course you can find and follow, unless you've changed your mind, Marius, you can f- follow Marius on Twitter at, at Mathzar, m a t h a z a r Um, and, uh, yeah, any anything any last words you'd like to leave us before you leave us.
4: Sure, let me leave you with some food for thought here because it's just occurred to me now thinking of who else could have taken this uh this Bond role and I wondered what it would have been like if uh if they would have done something unfashionable like hiring a game composer uh namely James Hannigan who did such a tremendous mm. job with the uh with the video game. I forget the specific subtitle of that Bond game. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, that's right. You remember yeah, the, recently. Yes, it was Last recent, year.
4: and I reviewed it, and I gave it top marks, and it deserved it. Yes. That, is that Bloodstone? Bloodstone, yes. that's the Bloodstone. one. That's the one. Sounds See, now, good, that man. would have been interesting, because he is amazingly uh, talented as a composer, yeah. and the the Bond style that he wrote in in um, for Bloodstone is basically his home style. It's what he was initially trained to write, mm. so... I remember when I spoke to him he was uh, excited about having had the opportunity to go back to his roots so to speak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but again that's that's an unfashionable thing they can't do that it's a movie and he's merely a award winning game composer yeah
0: well that's a really good call and you know makes sense and uh, you know but had they made that announcement you know what the response would have been
4: oh yeah yeah who? no it would have been a who it would have been who
0: Nobody would have known. It was yeah. like, who's that? It's not a marketable name. I know. It's just sad, but yeah. food for thought. It is. And someday someone's going to break through that. And if they make this Bioshock movie, I'm hoping that Gary Scheinman will be the guy who breaks through um, on that. I doubt it, but that would be amazing. If, yeah, that would that make me a very happy fellow. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Marius. So thanks for coming on for half a SoundCast. Always a and, pleasure. Uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking with you very soon. Yeah. Have a good night, guys. All right. Take care, Marius. Bye-bye. So that will bring us to our main topic of the night, Mission Impossible 4 Ghost Protocol and the Mission Impossible films and scores that preceded it. Possible came out in December, and man is it racking up the buckaroos. It's made almost $150 million domestically, and another $250 million, uh, overseas, bringing it to over $400 million already. Uh, so you could say it's doing pretty well. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 93 score, and Metacritic has, a, has it at a 73 Guys, what did you think, those of you who've seen it, what did you think of Mission Impossible 4, the movie, Richard?
3: Um, well, I enjoyed it enough to see it uh, twice. Um, <laughs> but it's not at the same level as number one and three. It's I think it's a lot better than number two, but that's not something that's hard these sandwiched. days. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Both score-wise and film-wise. Uh, but, yeah, I think what I liked about number three was it was kind of, almost a mixture of the first and second in that the first one was really an espionage movie, like traditional Mission Impossible thing and then maybe it took a little bit of the second one that more action oriented and I think it kind of lost the serious tone that it had in the new one Um, Mm. it was more like, it was a lot more lighthearted with Simon Pegg and I also Mm -hmm. thought Jeremy Renner, his character uh, I think they could have just lost his character completely and it wouldn't have done any harm to the movie yeah. So I'm hoping the rumors that he's being groomed to take over the series are not true, because if that's the case, then they've not got off to a great start.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a good that's a good point because I think that's what they're doing. Yeah. But they certainly they didn't establish him as as a lead at all, or but it means as a character that could be a lead in the movie. So I definitely agree with you there, Tom. What do you think of the movie Mission Impossible Four? or Mission Impossible Gross, po- gross, Ghost Protocol.
1: <laughs> to some it was gross, but uh, <laughs> I think when you're talking Brad Bird, you come in with a lot of expectations, especially if you loved his work in animation. So I, yeah. I, I left disappointed because it, it was just way too far over the top. It seemed like he brought that animation you know, gift with him to the live action world. And to me, even for a Mission Impossible movie, it was just uh, implausible in an implausible world, um <laughs> I also think uh people are just uh, making too much of the uh dangling scene in dubai, yeah um the way that was staged in the film I, I filmed it didn't feel like a true lies type of excitement, you know what I mean so mm. hmm overall, I think it was overrated. I will not return to the to watch it again um, it pretty much left a sour taste in my mouth uh unfortunately.
0: Now, did both of you see it in IMAX?
1: I did not. Yeah. I saw it in standard.
0: Okay. Did you, Richard?
1: Yeah, I saw it at IMAX. Yeah.
0: Both times?
3: Uh, just the first time.
0: Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. So I saw it on a regular and a, a regular screen and a pretty small one at that. I was in a little, little town in the foothills of California. I mean, very little town with a very little theater. Um, but I wouldn't see it there. And um, yeah. I was, my as it started going, I was like, you know what? I almost feel like I should be watching this on IMAX. And then I thought, if I have to watch it in IMAX to enjoy it, then there's something wrong with the movie. Um, and that's how I felt by the time I got to the end. I was like, I, I was not, I mean, I was impressed at some parts, but not like I've heard people um, ranting and raving, not ranting, but raving about. So it's curious, what was your experience going to see it the second time? Did, and not seeing it in imax did it diminish it at all uh yeah um i think that's the case i saw
3: um the dark knight in the imax the first time and as much as i love that movie the scenes that were filmed in the imax you can there's a big difference in the feel to them and in this case uh there was a bit of well if you suffer from vertigo i guess they were uh showing i think they were boasting about that oh if you suffer from vertigo don't go and see it in the imax um right but it was impressive, the Dubai scenes on the, sc- the huge screen, uh, so I do think it loses a bit. But yeah. like you said, if it does need that, then there's something else wrong with the rest of the movie, really. Yeah. I just think, because I love the third one so much, I'm comparing it. And if you go through scene by scene, there's so much more uh, memorable stuff going on in the third one. You've got the beginning, which is kind of like in the middle. Got the uh, factory rescue. You've got the bridge yeah. scene, which is yeah. one of my favorite scenes. And you've got in Shanghai. And yeah. I think I don't think any of the new one can really hold account of what they did with that. The third one, J.J. Abrams. I'm thinking maybe he had uh, a lot to do with the fact that well, he he produced this one, didn't he?
0: Yeah, he produced. Yeah, it that I think directed,
3: maybe yeah. that's one of the reasons why maybe it's not so successful in terms. Well, well in a, you guys. Well, in
1: that in a nutshell, I'll tell you what's wrong with the movie is uh, there's that whole chase scene in Dubai, right? Sandstorm yeah. comes in. Yeah. As soon as the chase scene is over, sandstorm's gone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, little little stupid details like that ruins the show for me, and those kind of <laughs> contrived setups, you know, made their way throughout. And if this was an animated movie, you'd be like, oh, okay, not bad. Yeah. But yeah. You know, like I
0: that. I love I loved that. I mean, I I recognize that too. I mean, it was like, oh, how how timely. Um Sandstorm comes as the chase begins sandstorm you know I mean, maybe they were being a little meta with it or something i don 't know, but I was kind of distracted by that a little bit too, in thinking about it, but as it was going, I love that scene I, I even more than the jumping and flying around on on the on whatever the name of that building was um I found that chase just really entertaining because i 've never seen it done before i 've never seen a chase in a sandstorm uh i've seen people do stuff on buildings before, whether it's on IMAX or not in IMAX. Um, but that chase in the, in the in the sorry for ruining thing anything for you, <laughs> um, Ellen, um But it it I I was really entertained by that. Um, and the thing that yeah, it was I was missed...
1: nice. agreed. It was nice. Um, yeah. Had they let the sand just keep flying, perfect scene. But diminished it in my opinion. I
0: forget what I forget what it cuts to right after that. Uh, maybe there was something that had. I can't remember after the guy uh, essentially gets away. Does he get away or does the car... I can't... Yeah. So anyway, spoilers for anyone who's listening to this. You're getting all <laughs> kinds of spoilers in and up and down through, so just know that. Um, uh, so the car crashes and he gets away, or the car jump, oh. crashes and flips over him, and I can't remember what happens. Uh,
1: well, suffice it to say, they they cut away to the hotel for uh, you know, a, a, a you know, deep and oh. personal powwow between the other agents. I oh, think that's how back it went. to the
0: hotel? Yeah, I think
1: Sandstorm ends, and then you go, you go to a heart-to-heart discussion amongst the agents uh, about oh. some critical backstory issues.
0: Okay. If I remember
1: correctly. I mean,
0: it's well, roughly. Rich, you saw it twice. You, yeah, you, I should know, but I can't remember. Uh, so whatever it was, it wasn't done very well, because <laughs> no? <laughs> none of us remember it. Okay, well, see, yeah, all right. So um, what I felt missing was, Compared to the third one, there was really—I mean, there was very little character development for anybody. It, I mean, it was an action movie, and it was action, 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 action. But I think the third one, for comparing, um, there was a story involved—an overarching story. It was it, the story was about he and his wife. Uh, that was the heart of the story, and then being—and you've never seen that either, have you, Helen? The third one?
2: No, I have. I've seen the first three movies. Oh, you have haven't, seen the first yeah, one? Yeah, I haven't seen the fourth.
0: Okay. All right, very good. I didn't want to spoil that one. It's the third one too. But that was at the center of the film. And so Ethan has an arc because it's just what, you know, his wife's held hostage. Um there's an arc there, and it was but there's no real character arc. I mean, I guess there is, but comparatively speaking in the fourth one, very little development of any of the characters, especially uh, what's his face? What's the guy's name? Jeremy Renner's character. I was like, yeah. what is this guy? I mean, a total waste for him, in my in my opinion. So I found that very, 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 I found it very shallow. Fun, but shallow. I also think the villain
3: was uh, yeah a big point of that. There is no villain, really. No. I mean, you don't see anything of him. In the third one, he's a big deal. Philip yes. Seymour Hoffman. And I thought he did a great yes. job. Yes. But in this new one, he's hardly there.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think we're in kind of in the minority because critics are loving it. The people are loving it because they're shelling out bucks like crazy for it. Um, you know, I am like, will I ever get this on Blu-ray? I don't know if I even will. I mean, I, probably, but if I never saw it again, I'd be okay uh, because I can kind of remember. You remember all the set pieces, and you're like, oh yeah, that was a movie with this and this. But to be honest, I got more thrills out of the first one. Than any of the ones that have followed, I that I really love the first film a lot, and even though it was comparatively speaking on a smaller everything was on a smaller scale back in whatever that was ninety six, I still got more thrills out of watching that movie than I did any of these other ones. Maybe I'm weird, but um, so let's move on to our reaction to the score, Michael Giacchino's score for Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Tom, what did you think of the score?
1: I thought it paced the movie very well. What stood out for me was when you're in the different uh, geographical locations, uh, he hits you up with some original pieces related to those locales. Yeah. Um, so there was a couple of transitions um, that were very much Williams-esque. That hmm. I haven't heard from him before, like... Uh, when they first arrived to Dubai, that Middle mm-hmm. Eastern, you know, that majestic thing was just beautiful. And that, yeah. that little Russian uh, buildup at the beginning, that choral piece, I thought was yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah. And action music was uh, serviceable, quite frankly. I, I, I'm i not really listening to the score other than the, a couple of those tracks, but still waiting for him to, to bust out. Uh, maybe John yeah. Carter will do that, but the uh, serviceable score was some highlights for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I I thought it I like the world influences for the most part I thought it was a little funner than mi three uh, it kind of he I think he pulled on more of some of the jazzy elements uh, more than he did in in um, MI3, I think maybe a little more brass at times, it felt like. Now, I'm saying all this about, I think, tracks that are in the first half of the score. Um, I love the opening title sequence. I think that track's called "Light like the Fuse. Uh, felt. I mean, it felt very homage to Schifrin. I, I really love that track, and I really loved it in the context of the film. But then about halfway through the film, everything just kind of slows down. Not tempo-wise, but... I start to lose interest in it I mean that's when you it's kind of like when you're into Dubai but then you start moving into India that part of the score I, I just kind of lose interest in um, and it never comes back I, I, the vibrance of the first half never comes back even though you get some of the same thematic stuff to coming back at the end of the of the score um, it just never quite comes back to that same level of whatever it had in the first half so I love the first half, second half. Meh. Um what do you, do you think, Richard? Um I think the main theme is probably the best variation of mm. it I
3: heard. Uh I've I've listened to that a lot, so I think they did a great job on that mm-hmm. one. Um what you were saying about it's lose uh has more of a fun side to it than number 3. I think that's where I don't like it so much. Oh, okay. I like how number 3 is pretty much relentless frantic uh action music. Um So this one, I think i loses points in my opinion. Uh, Hmm. um, I can't really think of any standout tracks um, apart from the main theme, whereas in number three, I can name the tracks. So like Factory Rescue, Bridge Battle, uh, Shootists. But um, yeah, I won't name them all uh, because I'd have to name the whole soundtrack. I think it's my favorite Giacchino score, the third one. Okay. Um, But I think in terms of fitting the film... It's pretty much standard for him, which is, uh, well, he does a very good job in fitting the actual music pacing to the movie. Yeah. I just don't think it stands out that much outside the film. Yeah, but I, did, I would agree. I still did buy the score. So okay. maybe I'm um,
0: overreacting. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's something you like about it. Yeah. Um, there was there wasn't there wasn't so much i guess the both the end of mi3 score and and the movie and mi4 score and movie it ends with that very mo- melodic um beautiful piece very similar i don't know if they're the exact same themes or not i was wait now in the third one you know there's a track called uh, ethan and julia where it's a very sad kind of a theme um as more than a love theme but I was waiting for him to pull that into MI4, which I never picked up on that particular thing being reused in MI4, which I thought they would at some point. Uh, maybe they did, you know, a, mo- a very, very small sliver of it when he's, you know, when the backstory is being told or something. But I didn't pick up on it. Definitely don't hear it uh, unless it's in that like second to last track on MI4. Um, but I was waiting for that just to kind of balance, bring some balance to the score, because otherwise it's. You know, it's all very, uh, it's just action, 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 or world beat kind of thing going on through MI4, and uh, it, I think it needs a little bit of balance, uh, at least from a standalone listening experience. Um,
1: yeah, because I don't think the movie uh, really allowed for much of that of that balance, given the practice right. kind it's... of jumping around the pacing.
0: Yeah, you're right. You are right there. Um, so where does the film, let's just talk about that first, where does the film, I think, Richard, you may have mentioned already where it lies for you. Uh, in ordering them one through f- four, where does number four, Ghost Protocol, fit in terms uh, I, of your favorites?
3: I think I'd rank one and three on the same level. I can't really choose between those two. Whichever mm-hmm. one I've seen li- latest, uh, I prefer. <laughs> so, um, But then four would come after either of those. And then okay. a long way down, number two. <laughs> Apart from <laughs> the injection scene, I really like that scene
0: yeah you've mentioned that a yeah. few times we know you like that scene <laughs> yeah. and the music's great as well Tom what's your yeah. what would be your oh sorry go ahead Richard no, just you in that
3: scene I'm saying the music's good the rest of the film soundtrack kind of oh. sucks
0: yeah yeah it does <laughs> um, Tom what would be your ordering of the four
1: Well, I would go one three four and two and I never saw
0: three so that tells you what I think of, <laughs> four and number oh two. my god are you gonna go are you gonna see it
1: yeah, I'll probably get a Netflix of it now, especially based off of these conversations. Um,
2: yeah, seems, yeah, Seems like
0: that's yeah. the one to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ellen, I know you've only seen one, two, three, but how would you order them?
2: The scores?
0: The movies.
2: The movies. Um, the f- one, one, two, three. Yeah. yeah, you
0: like two better than three.
2: Yeah, I like, yeah. I, I, I don't know why, Zimmer but three it. was not memorable <laughs> for me at all. Ne- neither the score nor the movie.
0: Hmm. But you remember two the movie and the score?
2: Yes. Um, the score, especially because um, it came out right around when um, my daughter was born. And for uh... some reason, my daughter, she was a very colicky baby. She cried a lot. She cried. 24 7 and the only thing that would calm her down is playing mi2 so we really? listen to that like non-stop
0: that is bizarre it is I bizarre you need to write a letter to Hans zimmer i
2: did i i actually oh, wrote you did? Him and thanked him because he allowed us to actually eat and <laughs> you know sleep
0: so. well now there's finally some value to that score <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah. some that now i have a reason to say well
2: i don't like it but it yes. gave yes we a listened piece. right we listened to it ad nauseum <laughs> for some yeah. reason she loved it she loved it
0: maybe she was so much pain <laughs> to it. maybe it was you know a paralyzed i thing. tried other scores
2: you know just to see you know maybe we can get a variety there but <laughs> didn't work mm-hmm uh funny very
0: weird um well i'm very surprised in that we we pretty much all have the, except for helen we have the same ranking yeah 1 3 4 and 2 um i'm going to say 1 3 4 comma 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 2 and all the commas are for any of the mission impossible movies that come out after 4 <laughs> we'll slide those into those comma slots there um i'm just i, I mean i guess I, every time i see mission impossible 2 i like it a little bit less um, it's just a, no, it's, anno- it's a, no, it's a very annoying movie. It, uh, it's just very self-indulgent and-, and it's John Woo and I like John Woo, but he's so s- self-indulgent in that movie. It just, is like, you're killing me, John. <laughs> you- yeah, it rubs you the wrong way. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, really, it really does. It's like, <clears throat> anyway. So how would you rank the scores then? The four scores, uh, Tom,
1: uh- um, I would put Giacchino's closer to the top than Elfman's, uh, Zimmer's. I uh, I class that with the movie itself, so I uh, you know don't have a lot of positive remarks about it. So.
0: So you're like four. You haven't seen three. But well, you, I've heard the you know, music the for three.
1: Um, four stands out to me more because of those uh, more of those cultural uh, statements yeah. uh, with the music. So maybe on the grounds of that, just because I'm a big fan of uh, Russian choral music for whatever reason. I'm uh, yeah. not a communist, but. Uh, like even the Red Army Choir, you know, I like to think of the Red October movies and things like that. Listen to some. Oh of those. sure,
0: I, I'm a I'm a fan of that too, so I'm right with you. Oh cool. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm flip flopping. Originally I said one three four two for scores as well, but I almost put I can I almost want to put four and three. I want to go one and then four and three in the in the second spot. Almost a tie, so very close. And then two, of course, is the end. But Richard, what would you be your ranking? Um,
3: I think, in the terms of the main theme, I would say four is the best, and I really like Elfman's theme. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'd say uh, one, three, and two. But the overall, I'd say three is definitely my favorite by a long way, and okay. then then four, and then one and two.
0: Okay. Yeah, I now, saw.
3: When, sorry. Uh, go ahead. I saw um, Mission Impossible: The Original again today. And uh-huh. a point. So I was like, "Why? Why is this music playing?" I didn't understand how it fit. Not in the same way as Zimmer, but overall, his album and score is good. But there was there were points where I was thinking this doesn't
0: work. Hmm. I it's been a while since I've seen it, to be honest. Um, and I never, I didn't really like it all that much back in '96. But over the years, it's it's really grown on me. Um, I, I, and I. There's just certain scenes that I remember. The the, the, the cafe scene when the aquarium bus yes. you know, and he breaks through it and he's running and you know, the music playing at that point. There's just certain scenes that I I really, really that somehow are really ingrained in my in my brain and 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 the train the whole train sequence, you know, that was a that was a really strong in my opinion, a real strong musical sequence as well. So um that's why it stays at the top for me. I'm hoping one day before it's too late, like the next, if they do another one, that they'll get Lalo Schifrin to score it. I mean, that would just be so freaking epic. And do it the way Lalo does it. Don't try to make it contemporary. Just do what you do. I I mean, it it will never happen because it wouldn't work commercially, but that would just be awesome. I mean, I I would be over the moon if they ever did that. Um, Agreed. I mean, if Hollywood
1: could ever just ever show a little imagination with these composer selections like we were talking about, Richard Jock with uh, 007, um, Lalo Schifrin. Could you imagine you know, what, what, the older audience could even get into it a little more? Maybe there's some of the older generation that's not into this modern action motif uh, that's yeah. been being delivered. I mean, it
0: could, yeah, it could. Um, and I, I agree yeah. with
1: you. I think it would be awesome.
0: If they return, because the first one to me has the most style, and I don't mean that, I, it, it, it just kind of had a, Little more upper class, highbrow kind of espionage film, than these other ones are action films. Just straight up, they're wearing grungy clothes. You know, amp, there's no, amp. there's no high. So- well, I guess there was a high society kind of element to this fourth one a little bit, but the the first one really had that from top to bottom to me. And I think Lo- a Lalo score could have worked very well for that first one. Um, but if they could return to that. Uh, then I could see them maybe doing it. But, you know, no one relates to that, right? No one wants to see a bunch of hoity toity rich people, you know, snooting around right now. It's <laughs> just going to make them mad. So I can, you know, they ain't going to do that. But, man, I wish they would. Uh, any other final thoughts on Mission Impossible, Gross Protocol? Go- I keep saying Gross Protocol. <laughs> Ghost <laughs> Protocol or any of the other Mission Impossible films or scores before we wrap it up?
1: Yeah, I guess Brad Burt secured himself. Uh- you know the the rights to the sequel to direct the sequel. Did he? I want JJ J. Abrams back. Given the money it's making, Absolutely. given the money it's making, oh. I can't imagine that uh, they, they wouldn't bring him back. It's a safe play, and, and he deserves it. And the movie did have its moments, uh, yeah. but but man, he has so much potential in storytelling that he, he I hope he doesn't stay locked in to this Mission Impossible world, kind of like David Arnold, the composer, stayed locked in with Bond for so long. Yeah.
0: Yeah, agreed. I I think it's assured that J J Abrams will be involved with whatever Mission Impossible's come in, the, in, whether it's a producer, but maybe director as well. I'm not. I don't know if Brad Bird is assured himself, because um, I think there's enough. I, I personally see enough flaws in it, but obviously critics don't, and the paying public doesn't. Yeah, but I, the, I the want box Brad Bird, gross. I want bad Brad Bird in animation. I mean his. You know, Iron Giant, The Incredibles, two of my all-time favorite uh, animated features. And if I had to choose between the two, I'd say please go back and do some amazing, unforgettable animated features. True, uh, true. That uh, and
1: Star so, Trek, maybe.
0: Oh, man, don't even get me started on Star <laughs> Trek. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what to say or do about that right now, especially if it goes where it sounds like it's going. I, I'm just... I'm. You just ruined my night, Tom. Oh, sure. <laughs> my fault. Happy, happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> well, it will come up. We will have to deal with it soon enough. And I don't know how I'm going to – I don't know how well I'll, 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 I'll do with this. But um, So, Helen, have we piqued your interest at all in seeing Mission Impossible?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to see it. Um, yeah. My husband saw it. He liked it. He said, um, though, as a former college professor that he – he finds it absolutely unbelievable that a college professor could outrun a super spy.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and beat one up. <laughs> right,
0: right. When you see so, that, that was the part that got me, I was like, wait a minute, this guy's what, like 60-something, <laughs> yes. and he's going toe-to-toe? Okay. yeah. There well, was, maybe there was he a, teaches gym class. Maybe. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Maybe. Judo. All right, Richard, any final thoughts on, on Mission Impossible? And you're going to be reviewing the scores the, yeah. for 3 and 4, so I'm looking, f- looking forward to uh, getting your takes on those in more detail there. But any other? Um, how much did
3: MI3 make
0: at the box office? Do you know? I you know, I, I... – give me two seconds, I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to look that up, and I said, ah, that won't come up. And then here it comes. Um, it made uh, – hold on. It made 134 million domestically and 263, so just under 400 million total. So, yeah. I and mean, this one's already passed it. So, what is the difference?
3: I mean, what did they do differently to make this one so much more successful?
0: At least at the moment. Well, I don't know IMAX. how they compensate for exactly. One, oh, you've got okay, a more yeah. expensive ticket for IMAX. Did did you is did it cost more for the IMAX showings? Uh, it cost me like. One pound more. It's not a not a big difference. Uh, not much more. No. It's usually it's usually like two three bucks more here. Uh, yeah yeah US. same
1: here. At least three three dollars uh, on top. here. Yeah.
0: yeah. So that's a factor. Uh, let me just see here. It says the it, number one rank, four thousand fifty four theaters eleven thousand dollar average. Uh, let me go back to uh, four. And this is wow. Um, number three, ranked 425 theater. Oh, that was limited opening, 30000 per. Number one, ranked 3,448 theaters, $8,572 per average. So it's actually, on its wide opening, it's, it, it's doing less, uh-huh. uh, but less theaters, like about 500 less theaters when it opened wide, and $3,000 per theater uh, less on average. So I don't know. Yeah. And did strange. it come out in the summer?
1: Mission Impossible Three yeah. did, did. Yeah, it came out in the came, summer.
0: Came out in May, beginning of okay, May. Okay, that's
1: the difference then. I think you're looking at a December. I mean, a December release. You know, making this much coin as compared yeah. to a summer release. So.
0: And you had the negative uh, tinge from Mission Impossible Two, going into Mission Impossible Three, and then Mission Impossible Four had the positive vibe from Mission Impossible Three leading into it. So that might have had yeah. some some effect but uh yeah who knows but yeah it's it's close i mean it's obviously gonna do end up doing a lot better than the than the third one did but uh i wouldn't mind having those receipts in my pocket <laughs> either one of them would be fine with me <laughs> um all right well i think that's going to do it for this edition of the sound we want to thank you all for listening Again, we want we'd love to get your feedback. What did you think of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol? Uh, call us and let us know. Leave, a vo- leave us a voicemail. You can tell us how you would rank them. 1342 2431, whatever your ranking is for the movies or the scores. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can call us at 407-512-0614, or you can email us at soundcast at tracksounds.com. Before we go, we'd also like to encourage you. Help us out with some of our bandwidth costs, if you would. You can go to our little PayPal button on the TrackSounds homepage or on the Soundcast page. you see a little PayPal, PayPal donate button. Click that. Make a donation of whatever you can, as little, as much as you can. That will be a big help to us as we move forward and produce these wonderful podcasts that you all seem to enjoy so much. Um, but We want to thank you for your continued support and continued listenership. Um, you can follow. We still haven't got to this story yet, but one day, Richard, you can follow him at, at @monkeybutlerman on Twitter. You can follow uh, Tom Hoover at Score Notes on Twitter. At Helen Son on Twitter. Tom, I was checking out your site before this. I meant to take more time during the, this, this episode. Maybe we can do it next week. But I see all kinds of stuff on your site. All kinds of new ventures. All kinds of stuff. And I'm like, dude, you never talk about any of it. So maybe we can talk about that uh, in a later episode because there's some pretty epic stuff you're involved with. And um, I think it's really cool. But we're running out of time tonight, so we won't do it tonight. But um, yeah, thanks guys for coming on. Thank you all for listening. So until we are on the internet together again, we ask you to stay tuned.